dynamic voices for a diverse church. This is Pass the Mic. Greetings and God bless. Welcome to another episode of Pass the Mic, dynamic voices for a diverse church powered by the Reformed African American Network. I'm your host, Tyler Burns. You can follow me on Twitter at Burns23. Follow at your own risk. And joining me, as always, is the president of the Reformed African American Network, Jamar Tisby. Jamar, what's going on, brother? We are live here, brother. much of our, our past the mic family in the house we are excited and we're especially excited about who we on stage with hey y'all welcome to truth table midwest culture i'm kennedy i'm christina and i'm michelle well <laughs> This table was built by black women and for black women. We've got some mans up here. We got some mans up here today. So, so, but they're our homies. We love them. Yes. <laughs> Welcome to the table, fellas. Welcome to the table, y'all. Now, last time we did this. <laughs> but, but Tyler, what are we going to do this morning or t- this afternoon? Nothing controversial at all, okay? So that's that was the agreement. If, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm being silly. But what we actually thought would be best is if we do a Q&A. So if you guys wanted to ever ask us anything about any topic, it can be Star Wars to racial reconciliation Black to Panther. Black Panther. It doesn't really matter. Um, what we'll do is we'll just go, you know, you can just stand up and shout it out, and then we'll repeat the question back into the mic. So whoever it's directed to, make sure you repeat the question. And, yeah, jump in. Y'all, don't be shy. Come on. Anything. You can ask us anything, literally. Yeah, don't be shy. Yes, sir. Um, is Reformed theology fatally flawed in terms of connecting with people in this culture? Next, 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 next. <laughs> no, go ahead, go ahead. With connecting with people in this culture and actually presenting a full or biblical witness of the gospel. Let the church Is Reformed theology fatally flawed in presenting a faithful gospel witness in a full or biblical theology. A faithful gospel witness in a full or faithful theology witness of the gospel. context today. Okay. Pastor Lance, you don't love us. You don't love us. You ain't right. You ain't right. That's the whole act. I mean, it's a, it's a good question. It is. is is it something in the theology itself or the theology as it's practiced? Well, mm-hmm. yes. All right, Kemeny, <laughs> systematic theology. Uh-huh. You did. You're the theologian. You did. Come on. Now. Um, you know, I um, I actually do. I, I I still maintain that I don't think it is the theology. But I do think that the theology and the culture, I'm, I'm sorry, the, the, the culture of uh, Reformed theology is so married. It's such an unholy alliance yes. that, um, that, it, um, that it's understandable that people would think that uh, Reformed theology um, is flawed or, um, uh, or, or is anemic. Yes. Uh, when it when it comes to social issues, culture, probably that, that we're in, unable to speak to those things. But personally, what drew me to Reformed theology and away from um, my own uh, very hardcore fundamentalist, though I know Reformed theology can be that way, was that uh, 
I actually, the common grace, the doctrine of common grace was huge for me to know like, oh, an unbeliever can actually affirm, like it actually knows God, not in a salvific way, but they can actually reflect this God in some, in some ways, you know, apart from the gospel, not in a way that, um, uh, not in obedience, in, in the way that they ought to, right, unto Christ. But I was like, oh, that's huge for me. Then that means that, that, that everything is actually sacred and there's no such thing as a secular divide. I learned that at my very reformed seminary. So what's ironic is when I go and apply that and I get attacked by the very ones that I've sat in class with, it's just it's mind-boggling. So it, it, that tells me it's actually the culture. And I actually really do believe that covenant uh, theology, believing that God has um, 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 called a, a people for himself, from every tongue, tribe, and nation, not race, because race is a construct, a social construct, um, that, that, that he's done that, and he's covenanted himself to the, this people, a people, is great news for a, a, a black folks who have been marginalized, disenfranchised, systematically uh, outcasted and pushed aside. That is good news to know that the God of the universe has, has covenanted himself and bound himself to you. That is important, and that news needs to get out. So I actually think Reformed theology in the hands of black folks is good news. I mean, I'm, I'm really serious. I mean, Francis Grimke, that's how we have the NAACP. Let's not, Mariah Stewart, let's not forget, you know, our, our, uh, those who have come before us. So I think in the right hands, it liberates. I really believe that. And so I think that's why us on here, we, we cannot allow... Um, the naysayers to keep us from proclaiming the truths of uh, Reformed theology, which I believe are biblical. If it wasn't biblical, then I would throw it aside, and I wouldn't endure the nonsense that I endure, okay? Um, you know, if I didn't actually believe it was true. Uh, so I think that's why we have to continue to press on anyway. So, sorry, amen. that was a long answer. And, and just about to add on to that and say amen is I'm reminded of King, Brother Micah, and we just passed <laughs> August, right, where it's the anniversary of King's I Have a Dream speech. Yeah. In that speech and so many others, what he does is he calls the nation back to its stated ideals. Yeah. Yeah. He says right. that, that, that there was written a promissory note and that the nation had failed to deliver on it. What he's not calling for is to rewrite the Constitution. What he's not calling for is to rewrite the, the Declaration of Independence. He's calling for them to faithfully live out what they say they believe. And I think in a similar sense, right, Reformed theology, we have to call ourselves back to what we say we believe. And again, Brother Micah, using this creed, what are the duties of equals in the Westminster Larger Catechism? The duties of equals. To regard the dignity and worth of each other in giving honor to go one before another and to rejoice in each other's gifts and advancement as their own. What are the sins of equals? The sins of equals are besides the neglect of the duties required, the undervaluing the worth, envying the gifts, Grieving at the advancement of prosperity one of another and usurping preeminence one over another. So embedded in the catechism, you have truths that refute white supremacy. Come on, come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. That's all I got to say. Man, put a praise right there. 
So I have two things. Number one, I'm so grateful to be here. Yes, I, I am. I'm really grateful Amen. to be here. Um, I wanted to ask you mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So yeah, how do you, um, can I, it, it's, tell me if this is right. How do you cope with being in the sunken place and while in the sunken place, they're telling you that the gospel does not, um, that we're to just preach the gospel and not deal with justice and social issues. Is that fair? Is that correct? And, and yeah, what do you mean by sunken place? Do you mean by how Pastor Howard described it yesterday or what we be talking about? On your on the podcast. Okay, the sunken place based on Get Out. Yeah. Okay, and if you haven't listened to that episode, listen to the Get Out episode from Truth Table and... Um, and Sunken Place Rescue. Uh, so, okay, who wants to talk about, uh, Christina, you got it? Okay, and you can talk about the Sunken Place. Yeah, so, the, so how do you respond to a truncated gospel? Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. I mean, who likes to give up a sin that's working out for them? I mean, I don't know. Who likes to do that? And, and you have a whole society telling you that it's not sin. I mean, who would want to give that up? Help us all. Um, so, so that helps me to manage, I think, my expectations to some degree. Because I don't like to give up my sins. Um, the Lord rips those from me. And we have to die to sin. I mean, you know, the Bible uses very, like, brutal language. Um, so I would say that, you know, what's, what's the answer to um, K-stage Calvinism? What is the answer to hard-heartedness? Um, what is the answer to people who worship uh, the golden calf of their ethnic identity instead of bow the knee to Jesus Christ our Lord? It is the same answer. It is grace. And that is what is provocative. People need more grace. They simply need Now, that doesn't mean they don't be called to the carpet for their ungracious ways. But at the end of the day, remember, Jesus looked at him and loved him, and then he told him something really hard that should have humbled him. And so I think that's what the Lord continues to do in the life of the believer, through sanctification. He is constantly looking at us. He is constantly loving us. And I gotta tell you, every day I hear something hard that breaks me um, but it is shaping me to be more and more like Jesus. The, the American church needs that. It needs to be looked at and loved and told the truth. Um, so that, that is what my response would be. And that some of us at different seasons, because I don't, for me, this is not a lifetime journey I'm requesting in my life. Um, but who knows what the Lord might say? For different seasons, um, we may be asked to be the people that look and love say the hard thing, right? And then we bear the consequences of that. But we are people who have been changed by that. We've been changed by the one who's looked at us and loved us, told us the hard things, and then yet we walk with him. So that's the way I would respond to that. I just want to say, you know, just as an encouragement um, and kind of a bit of a qualifier, because I think we assume wrongly that the sunken place solely exists in white evangelical churches and in reformed theological circles. But, you know, I'm in a non-denominational context, so I'm, I'm not from reformed theology. We have our own version of just preach the gospel, too. You know, oftentimes it's, it's middle-class escapism, right? And so that's our version of, of that, you know, or it will be um, use your identity in Christ 
to erase your social identity, any sort of social identity and distinction that God has created you with. So I just want to help you and encourage you if you think that you'll leave Reformed theology and not encounter racism. Racism is popping everywhere, you know, because sin is everywhere, right? So we're all guilty of this. So, I, I, so I, hopefully, if you think, man, we're going to get out and we're going to run to the nearest, it's probably not going to be what you think it's going to be. Yeah. Is what Jordan Peele said, and ain't nobody more woke than Jesus. We all sunk. It's just about different levels of sunkenness, and we just need the Lord to deliver us. So it's just true. So we now have cards going around where you can write your question, and you can hand it to um, any of the proctors in the back there. I'm making Charles one too. You can just hand it to any of them. They'll come up and grab your cards. Next question is from Marsha. Um, so my question in some ways relates to the uh, podcast on objectification, and uh, what are we quoting here? But basically, I'm, I live in Brooklyn home, and so the question is, I desire to be fathered. Like I just want to father. Like you know, you want, but I find that it feels like um, the, the the problems get in the way. Is like one, how do you make sure you you don't kind of put that on a man, and then two. Then you feel like, where's the space for a black woman to just be a child? Like, to just be a little girl. And then, and then three, it feels like, I, it, I always feel like someone's thinking about my body. And even in the godly sense, either the godly men kind of step away because you're a woman. Yes, and so it's yes. Just like, it's the only way I can have a father is if I had a biological father. But if I don't have, if my father's not around, am I just fatherless? Where can I, where can black women find Lord Jesus? Thank you so much. That was a lot. A lot. I think the essence of what I think what you're saying is. You're speaking to the pain and the longing for paternal love, and at the same time dealing with the uh, realities of being objectified and your body being a commodity, uh, and whether that is one that should be feared and covered, or whether that's one that should be exploited and used. Is that an accurate? Okay. Um, yeah, that's terrible. Um, so I. <laughs> When I heard you, I mean, I really teared up. I think yeah, too, what yeah. you shared is incredibly painful and raw, so I appreciate you sharing that level of vulnerability and yeah. kindness and candor in a room full of strangers at the LDR. So give it up. Yes. Yeah, so I, I don't know. My two cents, and I'm going to pass this mic down because I really I don't got a whole lot right now. Um, but my two cents would be that... Um, yeah, I think back to this morning about um, when we follow Jesus and how we have an entire community. We give up everything, but yet we gain it. We gain brothers, we gain sisters, we gain fathers, we gain mothers, and we gain children. So my friends I know who have lost many children or who have not been able to conceive, the beauty of covenant children means something so deep to them. Because they have gained children in Christ. And for my friends who have not had fathers, not a reflection of their worthiness, but as a reality of the brokenness of sin, right? Because you are worthy of a father. 
You have many fathers, national within covenant community, but we have God our Father. And our job as members of the covenant community is to make that real to you. Yes. Beyond yes. semantics and yes. But we make that real to you in terms of relationship, accountability, in terms of, account in terms of authenticity. And we, sh we uh, expose the narrative that we have. We don't, we don't hide our experiences. We put them out there so that you don't feel alone. So I, I imagine, I'm a prophet, there are probably many people in this room who can resonate with what you just said. Amen. So you're not alone. And together, because of what Christ has done, uh, we have a father. We really do. And, and our job as a covenant community is to make that very, very real to you. The other issue that I think you raised was about what does it mean to have that longing and, and for that longing maybe potentially to cause some angst about how you are seen by men or maybe propositioned by men, right? Um, I don't know, I, I, I long for, the, for, the, for us to actually be brothers and sisters in the faith. Amen. To really be brothers and sisters in the faith. Yeah. Where we have big brothers who actually look out for little yeah. sisters. Amen, amen, and amen. I am always blessed and impressed by the men of the kingdom. Because I know some good men um, who look out for sisters in the faith. And my prayer for you today is that those men would make themselves known to you, that God would raise them up wherever you are in your local church, and that they would provide that fatherly, gracious, brotherly love uh, that is necessary for you and I as we're shepherded here. That's my two cents. Thank you. Throughout the podcast, you've alluded to the potential reality that multi-ethnic churches are often transmitters of the racism and white supremacy they profess to denounce. Can you unpack these thoughts? <laughs> okay, is it, is it, is it fair? Oh wait, oh wait, which podcast? Because there's two podcasts up in here. Oh, both? <laughs> okay, well can, can I, can I, um, put, can we push off the answer? Can, yeah, exactly. Can Truth Table push off the answer? Because we have, <laughs> we anticipate the need of our listeners. And so, <laughs> no, really, we do have um, a series actually coming up about multi-ethnic churches. Um, uh, oh, it's September. So yeah, this month. Um, so it's coming up this month. We've already booked guests. Like it's happening, people. So I want, so yeah, I don't feel like we can really do it justice and we want to do it right and y'all know how we do. So we're hoping it'll be a two to three part series this month. So if you could stay tuned and hold tight just for a couple more weeks, you will get your answer, your question answered. Should I tell them the title? Yeah, go. Okay. The title of the series is Multi-Ethnic Churches, A Foretaste of Heaven or Bulwarks of White Supremacy. <laughs> What are some specific examples of common grace insights that you wish everyone would read or hear, listen to? But I would say even beyond just us, social science or anthropological literature, I mean, just in the, what we consider the hard science. I mean, I just, I just think that we, uh, this world belongs to the Lord. And uh, God is inviting us to discern and engage with all 
kinds of information. I mean, I think for those of us who are kind of on the geeky side and um, enjoy learning, then it is exciting to me to be able to engage with people. And I gotta tell you, if you wanna have a platform to be able to share God's grace with people, then you probably should listen to them. Um, and so, <laughs> and before you critique their idea, you can always listen to it first, because that gives you more credibility in critiquing the ideas. So that's, I think that's very important. I, I'm a product of secularly trained institutions, and so I am used to being like the only openly Christian person in context. My new position is, is the last few years is different. It's a Christian college, and that's acting like an odd person. They are used to being the only Christian in the space. But it has forced me to become a good listener. It has forced me to um, be a kind of a, a living epistle through kindness and grace, and to not uh, see my intellect as my largest evangelistic uh, you know, component. So um, my kindness typically is, is more evangelistic appealing than what books I have read. So anyway, long answer, went around the world, but what comes to mind for me. I would just briefly say, um, I know it's kind of like the low-hanging fruit because most of you guys have interacted with it, but as a Christian man, as a pastor, I've been incredibly challenged by Kendrick Lamar's Topimba Butterfly. Like it, it, it challenged me very deeply. Um, yeah, how much a dollar costs in, in particular. Um, challenged me very deeply to take a, a hard look at my context uh, and to see, see people as human beings created in the image of God. And I think some of those themes that he's pulling on there um, past the content, past the coarseness, is uh, very encouraging. I'm one of a handful of people of color in my church. Do you have any survival suggestions? <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any survival suggestions? I didn't mean to laugh, but I'm laughing because I'm with you. <laughs> so. It was a trauma laughter. Yeah. <laughs> the church is dedicated to racial rights. Survival oh. skills, if you are a racial or ethnic minority in a predominantly white, I'm assuming theologically conservative setting. That's been my whole life. Um, I came to faith through a white evangelical youth ministry, sort of out of the Willow Creek model. Um, I began going to my first reformed churches in college, and it was Dutch reform. Wow. <laughs> That's serious. When I tell you I was the only black person. <laughs> and the shortest, yes. That's not right. That's all right. You pack a punch. <laughs> so that's been my whole life. My whole context is that. I, I'll just tell you about my journey. I was tired two years into it. One of my lifelines was reading Anthony Carter's On Being Black and Reformed. Because that was the first signal that said, other people out like that. I ain't the only one. And for me, so much of my survival has been reminding myself over and over, you're not the only one. And so that's what Rand really was. Rand actually grew out of the LDR. The first year we had it in Chattanooga, and it was on the drive back from Chattanooga to Jackson, Mississippi, to my Reformed Theological Seminary that I said uh, to the guy driving who went up there with me and said, we have to find a way to keep this going. 
this community, this solidarity, this feeling that it was a family reunion. And out of that came the idea for the Reformed African American Network, which by the way, the title was intentional, even if oxymoronic, because I wanted other people like me to know we're out here. And so RAM became a, a, a communal meeting space online where we could remind each other constantly you're not alone. Yeah. And in so many ways, that's my survival mechanism. I believe God's grace is incarnate in the body. And the way that works itself out is through community. The hard part is you're a minority is where is that community? Because you always have to explain yourself in what is supposed to be that community. And so we texting back and forth constantly. I am uh, pursuing how we get over intentionally. I will drive three hours back down to where I used to live to meet with folks who I know who understand me. Sure. And so you, you're going to have to exert an extreme amount of intentionality sure. to build that community because it doesn't come to you naturally through your local context. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I, I think I can speak. I, I was thinking, I was like, I can't speak to this. I go to a black church. But, um, uh, but I, remember I did go to a very white seminary, and I was the only black woman in the MDiv program. So I can sit for the last two years, was it? And so, uh, and it was hard and not easy because I'm very black. And, and I'm like racially black, like, what? That's racist. And so, like, so I can really pick up on a lot. I'm like, what's happening? So, um, what I will say is that you, you know, we tell you guys our podcast is our group text. You guys don't believe us. But um, what I would say is they do believe us now. <laughs> uh, I think you have to know that you know that you know God called you to that, that place. And the Lord does set the members of the body, you know, where it pleases him. And so you have to know that he's called you to that place. So I knew that God wanted me at Westminster, and that's the only way that I was able to really make it. And I had um, some, I had some um, professors that were awesome and some that were not, but some that were very supportive. And I had, the Lord is so gracious and he brought, you know, just a, a few friends that I needed to hold me down. Um, and I also had, sorry, and I had my, of course I had my squad too. You know, you need your village. You need those moments of, well, I don't actually don't know the race of the person, but I'm black, so I'm gonna say you need your moments of blackness, spaces where you can just be free and live and laugh and just you know you have to fight for that joy because um, joy really is resistance you know um, and I, I mean and our disposition as Christians is that we're sorrowful and always re and yet rejoicing and so it would be difficult for me as a single black woman to be in a space like that I just I personally for me it, it wouldn't be a safe place um, because that's where I, I know that because I lived that you know um, in at my seminary but. Um, I personally would say, if you know that the Lord called you that, He will give you the grace um, to to continue and to persevere. Um, and if and if He has not called you, or if your season's up, that's okay too. There's you know there, there's not you, you know you don't lose your inheritance, you don't lose your reward. It's just the Lord had you here for a season, and He's moving you along. So that would be what I'd say. Mm -hmm. <laughs> So we have five minutes left, um, and there were there were two questions. One, how do you respond to the history of how Christianity and the gospel spread initially amongst black people in most of America, especially considering that many slave ships were named things like Grace of God? 
I just wanted to read that question so that if you ever wonder why we need this now, still, stop wondering. We don't even have time to unpack that. Stop wondering. Slave ships were named grace of God and not grace of white folk. They, they didn't even tell the truth. They took it to evil. They named a slave ship grace of God. <laughs> but we only have four and a half minutes. <laughs> so the last question is, what you wearing the Black Panther? <laughs> <laughs> I can't even deal with that. <laughs> Now, I've already partially shared this on our episode. So, yes. Yeah, yeah, but the gentleman. This is what I'll say before that. I'm very interested to see what you guys think about Eric Killmonger's character. Remember when I say that. I'm very interested to see if some of y'all don't side. Blurred alert. Listen, we didn't get a chance to read the trailer, okay? We didn't get a chance. I'm just saying I'm very interested to see what you guys think about certain characters. Um, tweet at me, and I'll talk more about that. Um, I don't know. What, what do you, what do You're you the fashion about? dude. Come on, man. It's probably a three-piece suit, and you know. <laughs> it's, probably, it's probably a clergy collar or something. I bet, you know. I think I want a life-size, body-molded Black Panther outfit of my own. You know. Can they make it that small? Oh! Oh! Okay. Yeah, you can't do that. Okay, Tyler. Okay. Hey, hey, hey. The bearded wonder strikes. Okay. So when y'all going to see it, because I'm obviously not going with Tyler. What you wearing? Oh, y'all yeah. Actually, I might wear the thing I wore at my cousin's um, wedding. It's kind of wonder. They saw it on Instagram. Listen to it. Yeah, look good. I think I'm gonna wear that. I think I'm gonna wear that. Try not to wear it icy one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so I actually love the outfits in the movie from what we've been able to see, and those are like these leather numbers. So I'm probably going to invest in some additional leather pieces. Um, and and he's not even in here. Oh, he knows. He knows how I roll. He knows me. And, um, and and I love the fact that these women are warriors. And so when I think about some of my favorite women from from history, they're women like Harriet Tubman, a warrior. And so I think the idea of black women coming out in war warrior attire, Ida, you know, Ida B. Wells, warrior with the weapons to show for it. And so, yeah, I'm coming out like a warrior. That's what I'm going to do. Thank you. Thank you. And I am a blurred as well. Praise the Lord for blurreds. Black nerds. Black nerds. I already have my shoes. Yeah, yeah. They got some... 
first. Uh, yeah, I was get my shoes first. So we we working on it. But the thing I'm trying to figure out is how we're gonna get some kind of like dance, chanting, singing line into the theater and coming out. Oh yeah, oh yeah. We're gonna figure out some kind of yeah, we got we got a stroll. So that's what. So whatever we do, wear comfortable shoes because we strolling in, even if it's over Instagram stories. No right. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us here at the live Q and A here at LVR. The questions have been awesome. Continue to follow the podcast for more than this, and we're about to drop for those of you who want to stick around the entire Troops Table intro song for the first time. So, hit it, Bo. Y'all, give it up for Bo. You.